podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to the Villa View for a match preview. This weekend is Sheffield United at Villa Park, which play on Friday night, James. We're both going to be there. What are you thinking? It's going to be a tough one because Sheffield United are really good. Yeah. If you're going to talk about Leeds and Norwich and West Brom and all that, you've got to talk about Sheffield United and how good they are, how good they've been all season. Yeah, consistent. It's been really quiet and that's because Norwich and Leeds have been doing so well, but Sheffield United haven't been in the conversation all season. A bit like Albion. Yeah, now, I mean, Albion probably aren't the total contenders that Sheffield United genuinely are. I think over the course of the season, they've done so well and they haven't looked any sign of dropping off. They've lost a few games here and there. They've yeah. drawn a few games. They've stumbled. But, you know, for the mo- most part of the season, there's been no real part where you went, they're not good enough. The team, I don't know how they're doing it. It's like they're getting something more than is possible. Yeah. They've got the, the right mix and the, the way they play football. It just looks so stupid how all, every other team in the championship is trying to find the best way to do things and it looks like Sheffield United have found that. Is that down to Chris Wilder and what he brings to the table? Well, I think, manager, isn't it? I think I sh- it was you who I showed the, that small short documentary about and he was yes. a Sheffield United fan. And I think that brings a lot to it, kind of like Dean Smith at us, you, you know, you feel more lenient yeah. in a way and you feel like he's got more space and he's got more control. Uh, I don't know if we'd have felt the same, if Steve Bruce was still in charge at Villa now, in this period and things were going badly, I think we'd, we'd have went completely toxic. Yeah. Whereas I think most of us are Bad still... physics. Yeah. I think most of us genuinely are still feeling quite positive about things and can take an optimistic approach. Yeah. And I think that comes with the territory. We know Dean Smith isn't here just to be here. He's here to do his job because yeah. he's a Villa fan. He wants to see us succeed. I think the same is at Sheffield United. They've got a manager who genuinely believes in the club and wants to do the job there, nowhere else. He doesn't want to lose his job and do it again at, say, Huddersfield if they come down next season and yeah. lose their manager. He doesn't want to do it anywhere else bar there. I feel the same about Dean Smith. I don't think he probably thought he'd ever have the opportunity yeah. to manage Villa when he was at Warsaw, but these paths have collided now. And now in Chris Wilder, we see a guy really gunning for it with a team he loves, playing football he loves, with players he likes. Yeah. How much did you see of the Reading game? I know that I saw some of your tweets updating fans to the yeah. game. That's pretty much how I kept up to date with it, to be honest. So I'm not fully clued up on how we played, but I mean, we don't want to talk about it too much because we're filming this before the podcast, mm. although the podcast will have gone up before this was. Okay. So we're in a weird position. So Dan and Chris will have talked about the Reading game in detail. They were both there, so we don't want to go too heavy on it generally. It's not a great result, is it? It's not a great result, but I think a lot of the criticism comes from people who weren't watching the game. You know, <laughs> you know, there was only 2,000 or so people there, and you could only watch if you're outside the UK yeah. or found a way to watch through a stream calling, and not many people could do that. The amount of questions I fielded about that, I know for a fact not many people could do that. So there's a lot of criticism coming from people who just didn't see the game. Fair enough, you know, if you've seen the highlights, I think we've all seen the highlights, then you can go through it. But 90 minutes after the game, if it's a game you've not watched, it's a bit hard to do. Like the result probably takes away from the performance. The performance yeah. all round was it was it wasn't bad. I think another time, another day, Villa win that match, and yeah. they made the chances to win that match. Clean they really bar, did. Didn't we? Yeah, we hit the bar, and their keeper come up with a wonder save. And sometimes that happens. Look, Tammy yeah. Abraham has been finishing quality chances all season. You know, maybe overperforming to an extent, not to say that he's bad or not capable of scoring those goals, but there's a certain level of overperformance and sometimes that balances out. 
and that yeah. balances out in games like Reading where you get a chance on the plate and you're not unable to bury it. And most games you do that. Most games you score chances you probably don't deserve. So it balances out at some point. I think probably balanced out against Reading. But overall, the team looked like they'd improved. Yeah. And one thing in particular is the defence. It looked a lot better. And that's with Neil Taylor, Tommy Alphick, yeah. and Alan Hutton in three people who are in it week in and week out. And we'll come on to the Toro Mings yeah. instant shortly. I mean, we could probably do a whole video about that, to be honest. Um, the sort of general consensus I saw on Twitter was that the defence wasn't the issue against Reading. It was that possibly the midfield and the strikers didn't take the chances that we were creating. It was, yeah. it was the rest of the team that didn't quite click against Reading. Yeah, I mean, we made the chances to win the game. So maybe it's not a case of any aspect of the team underperformed. Maybe it's, we just didn't finish that one chance. Yeah. You know, a 1-0 win away at Reading fighting for their lives and they're playing a lot better than they were you have to take that into account they're not the pushover team they probably were yeah. you know, before the new manager came in so I think you, you have to look at that and say Villa made the chances to win and their players stepped up to stop them chances yeah. that in my mind is a perfect result to be a draw if, if you're going to create the chances to win the game and their team is going to be capable of stopping those chances it's a draw all day so no I don't I don't really buy into it I think if you, if you have to blame anyone you have to blame Alfie and Abraham for, not, for missing their chances, yeah. and how can you do that? You yeah. can't, but it'll be grossly unfair to do that because A, Alfie's a defender, getting his head on the ball, I'm not going to blame him for hitting the bar because that's close enough. Yeah. You know, that's pretty, he beat the keeper for it. That's, you know, he made that chance and un unlucky. Abraham, you blame him, you have to blame him, but I can't do that. If yeah. you're going to blame someone, it's him, but you, I'm not going to sit here and blame the guy <laughs> with 19 goals. Talking of a guy with 19 goals, a lovely save by James, beautiful setup. Billy Sharp's got 19, David McGoldrick 11, 30 goals between them. Comments I've had on Twitter this afternoon is stop both of them, we've got a good chance, but how easy is it to stop two strikers who've got 30 goals between them? The thing, like, Sheffield United won't have Scott Hogan. Yeah. They didn't play him last time, so they it doesn't matter. Come off the bench, do you, I don't think. But the issue is that they have, like, an all-terrain attack. You can switch out yeah. four different players, four quality championship strikers. They've got Gary Medine on the bench. So if they want to launch the ball, they can launch the ball. If they want to play it on the floor, they can play it on the floor. If they want to play one-touch football, high-tempo, low-tempo, they can do whatever they want because they've got four, four genuine. On their day, each of those strikers is good enough on their own. And I've got all four In of theory, them. In yeah. yeah. It's kind of like Villa back, you know, when we first got relegated, when we had Hogan, McCormack, Codger. Yeah. And even Gabby. God, for God's sake, when we come down, we thought everyone was going, oh, he'll rip the league apart. No, he did it. Was everyone thinking I don't that? know. I've heard that on the podcast. I've heard that on the podcast. No, 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 I don't think. No, you weren't, you weren't around. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I don't think... Um, no, but, you know, you had Gabby Bunghorst still, and, you, you know, he's a striker who you would have thought would have performed yeah. after relegation. You thought seven, seven or eight goals. You'd, yeah, you'd have thought ten's a target, surely. Yeah. Surely ten is a we target. We what happened, so... And it didn't happen. But Villa still had that same approach it didn't work they tried to play them all at the same time yeah you know, it, it was, we've been guilty of that even months ago yeah. under Steve Bruce where okay, Codger's on now Davis is coming on Hogan's coming on and you're ending games with three or four strikers playing but even when we got relegated like yeah. we had Kozak still and we yeah. still had Davis was and Hepburn it, Murphy was Kozak there then yeah Kozak played against Derby he got subbed, he got subbed on then subbed off he was like he oh, just wasn't with it I don't remember that I've wiped that from my memory completely <laughs> that, that season after coming down wasn't good. I think we all have to. I don't know. Oh, I don't know about that. How is that? Did play football? Okay. Someone can comment. And then no, play. I know. I know. Would you say that Sheffield United are overachieving to be fourth in the table? If you like, it's like Leeds. If you look at the squad, no one stands out. 
But then with Sheffield United, you've got those familiar names, the strikers especially. You've got Ender Stevens, yeah. you know, who used to play for Villa. You've got a lot of people who are motivated because they hit a brick wall in their career, especially Stevens. And it's almost like this band of brothers approach. Yeah. You know, Do you think that's what the manager brings? That, that yeah. sort of will fight for the manager they are no matter what? Definite underdogs. It's almost like the perfect in theory, the perfect Steve Bruce team, what he tries to build. <laughs> like, oh, I'll get the casts off, cast off, so I'll get the underdogs. And we'll see what we can make of it. But the trouble is he paid them loads of money. Yeah. Which is a bit different at Sheffield United. I, feel. I don't think they've probably got the same budget. They're probably big spenders, all big things being said. But they probably don't have the same budget as Villa did yeah. in their day, you know, on the, on the peak. So I think there is a, you know, an underdog approach and they know what they're fighting for and it's in, it's in touching distance. Yeah. You know, last season they could have had it if they kicked on. It, it fell apart. They didn't have the strength they have this season. Last season they could have done it. So this season, it's really there. And I'm overperforming. I don't think so. I think they're bang on. So we'll talk about the Tyrone Mings incident a little bit. And I want to bring that round back to how it will affect the Sheffield United game rather than analysing what's happened because since, since the game, the FA have said no further action because the referee saw the incident move on. It was accidental, Yeah, but wasn't it? I think you look at it and he's a, he's a big six foot five bloke. The, the incident happens in like two seconds or something. You can watch it in slow motion as much as you like and go, oh yeah, he's brought his leg back, he could have moved it. If it was his child underneath there, he'd have got away. It's just like... Oh. It's a lot of, you're projecting... There's a lot of ifs about yeah. what you think happened in, in, the, in the heat of a moment in a contact sport. I don't think you think, I don't, I don't know, it's a weird one because I don't know how to put myself into that position. I just look at it and go, He's not played football for however, however long. It's his debut for a new team. He's dropped down a league. He's not going to come and stamp on a bloke's face on purpose. Mm. Nobody, surely nobody does that. Like, it's really hard to say because only one person knows what happens. So yeah. what all of us think. The problem is we all have a lot of thoughts and we all try and use those thoughts to have an action. We want Mings to be banned or we want to defend him and him not be banned. So we have these opinions where we want a result of them. And that's kind of problematic in the sense that we have nothing to form our opinions yeah. on. There is no basis for any of our opinions except what we think. And we're biased. Like a lot of us as Villa fans will say he didn't mean it. He probably didn't. A lot of Reading fans will say, rightly, that he meant it because it's their players left off the pitch. I know, but surely you can't go in with the mindset of a guy who's going into a, a game of professional football to intentionally stamp on that's, him. That's the issue. If you think it's deliberate, and I know a lot of people who are pretty smart who think it's deliberate, and I don't buy it. The question they ask after they say if it's deliberate, the problem I have now is why? Yeah. Why would he do it? Yeah. And that is that is a massive, massive question, and none of us can answer it. No one can answer. And I saw a lot of people saying, you know, I'm, I'm a, an expert in, uh, you know, mechanics, body mechanics, you know, uh, motor neurons, stuff like that. I've, I've studied the body. And this is deliberate. And I'm like, no, how, even with all that knowledge, and I don't want to doubt your expertise, how do you know? Yeah. You don't. Um, it, it, the people say he's got previous. The problem with that is that, that doesn't fly in court, though. I think that was different. Yeah, if you, the, the, if you come the, at that, which one? you can't come at someone with that in court. It will get front. You can't just say someone's got previous in court and they, there was an incident before. In court, that, you know, that doesn't fly. It's the single, you have to assess a single incident. And the problem with the Zlatan one before is that even if he didn't mean it, and he probably didn't mean it, it's because they'd had you know, a fight in the match already. So it was seen as yeah. possibly, a you know, it was retaliation. Even if he didn't mean it, he's ended up stamping on the bloke's head and they've already had a fight. It's not funny, I don't know, I'm laughing. <laughs> well, Slatton was fine. Yeah. Nelson wasn't. <laughs> True. Um, so do you, think, do you think that's part of the argument? 
let's say this whole situation happens exactly the same. Mings's body movement is exactly the same, but he lands on his arm and he gets a little bruise yeah. and that's it. Do you think the injury that it just happens to be that it was his head that he fell onto? That's what makes it worse. Your natural opinions towards it are going to be influenced by the fact of how much damage he caused. Yeah. But regardless, he still landed on a bloke's head. And that yeah. is the worst case scenario. Like, you know, I think going back to the FA thing, they should have definitely looked into well, it. That's their, that's their silly rules. Even if they want to chuck it out, you, even if you're going to say nothing's going to happen, that, that ruling is stupid because, yeah. yeah, we have a bloke there whose face could have been crushed. <laughs> Quite literally, yeah. yes, pretty much. Oh, yes, yeah, sliced up. It, it's bad. Um, you know, it's probably not as bad as his wife made out on Twitter, like he was dying. But <laughs> yeah. that's their they're, they're privilege to have that, really, because but he's the bloke at the end of the day. Yeah. He's the bloke who's had his head stamped it's not on. He's a human being, isn't it? Yeah. He's, he's got cut up pretty bad in, yeah, that, in what I think is an accident. It was like a, in a, a dog fight, yeah. Honestly, like his face was it chewed was up. Bad. Yeah. It was bad, but I don't know. Well, uh, this, this is my point with bringing it back yeah. to the Sheffield United game. If Mings plays, how does this whole, essentially a witch hunt, affect his performance? Because he's been tagged on a lot of stuff on Twitter. Now, whether he's, he's seen it, he would 100% have seen some of the, the articles and the posts and the tweets about, he's a disgrace, banning for life, this would have been prison if he stamped on outside in the street. If he plays, does that affect him? And if he doesn't play, do you think he would have been dropped because of that incident? Regardless of how good Tyron Mings plays, the only person you drop is Alfie. Yeah. And he played really well. So I think it's another rest for James Chester, to be honest. Yeah. So, say Mings plays, what's his mindset like? Is he, <laughs> when the next challenge comes in, is he going to sort of be backing away because he doesn't want to get into that situation? Because if, if this happens to him again, <laughs> and if it's accidental, yeah, but you could twice. Well, yeah, again. what if it happens again a third time? Fourth, fifth, it could exactly. keep happening. This could change. I look at it, and this is a bit of very much a cliche. He's a big bloke, six foot five. If he's going up for challenges, the momentum's there. He's got big, long limbs, clumsy. This could just be a, an accident, I think, because he's a big bloke. He's rough and tumble. He gets stuck in. Where's his heart on his sleeve? Well, what happens if it happens again for a third time as an accident? People are going to seriously look at this guy and go, "Okay, this is maybe not accidental at this point." So is, is that going to affect the way he plays the game now? That he needs to be more cautious so he doesn't put himself in that position? I'm going to say no, because again, this happened before. Yeah, you that's know, true. Yeah. This exact situation happened before and it didn't seem to affect him because it happened again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he got led, whatever the situation was, whatever he meant it, it happened again. He fell into the situation. That's either pure bad luck or he's not afraid of stickies. He's, he's booting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which sounds horrific, but no, he, he's going for it. Whether he's lucky or not, He's gone full-blooded into that. Um, it's not off the floor. It's not a two-foot challenge. But he still went full into that, and the last one didn't phase him. Yeah. Oh, so, you know, I, I wouldn't look too much into it. I think if we see, we'll have to wait and see and see on Friday if his performance off. Who knows? But if it is off, is it because of that? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I There's think so many variables. Yeah, I, I think Villa's defence as well pretty shaky. Uh, they were shaky before Reading. Yeah. Reading game. So if it's shaky at home, maybe that's more to do with just being an Aston Villa player and yeah. being in the team yeah. rather than anything else. What about the rest of the squad? Is there any, any other changes you'd, you'd like to see? I think the obvious one for me is Kodger in for probably Adoma. Yeah. Is what I'd change. I think Adoma's been quite unlucky. Um, he's not had the same, he's, he's probably largely done the same things as he did last season. I just haven't come off this season. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not totally sold that he mm. will ever reach the heights that he reached last season mm. when he scored, what was it, 10 goals in... How many he's games playing on the other side of the pitch as well. He's playing on yeah. the left. I, I can't ever see him doing that again for Villa. I felt like that was his the best, the best of a dome we'll see. 
And to, to sort of try and compare him back to that is probably unfair on him as well. I think Codger is Codger's a player that will carry the ball. He might, and the the only downside is it of it is that he won't cover his fullback as much. I'd rather we have a more creative player in the side where we're creating chances. I'd rather have Codger get on the end of a chance than the Doma at this point. Yeah, I think Villas, wingers. Well, this goes back to Balassi. They all kind of they ponder on the ball. Yeah. I've got none of them are direct. I think the most direct one you've got is the Doma. None of them really yeah. go straight ahead. Our guys will cut inside, drift around, run around. Codger's the same. Codger kind of green. Green, yeah, so for sure. Direct, but green for injured, sure. So we won't really seen it at Villa. So green and Adoma are the two most direct wingers. Oh, Al Mohamedi, probably more so than Adoma, but it's he's probably had a better output as a winger this season than Adoma, but you're just not going to do it at this point. No, I think I'd be disappointed to see Almo play right wing. Yeah, it'd be ever it, again to be honest. It'd represent a massive step down. I think I don't think personally he's done that bad there. But it's just the implications that putting him there has. Yeah, the connotations. Yeah, if you put him there, you it signals just a what. Before the game, when people see that lineup, there again, it's negative. Yeah. Um, personally, don't think he's done that bad. He scored two goals from there. He gets in the right positions constantly. No one else is doing that. But putting him there, it's almost like a defeat. It's almost a defeat before the game's even started because people are just thinking they're not fully into that team. Yeah. And that's a problem when you're trying to get everyone at Villa Park on their feet again. Yeah, true. A, a lot of people have kind of said the passenger thing about a number of mid, Villa's midfielders. McGinn every, got it. every player, to Yeah, McGinn gets it as well. Um, but those three players, Whelan, Horahan and McGinn, really do give a lot for Villa. They're always, if you want players, love them funder players, it's usually them. Like Whelan's pressing up front, yeah. Horahan's pressing up front and McGinn is Is that part of the problem though? Because you don't expect Whelan to be the furthest forward midfield press, do you? There's maybe some confusion. And that only happens if you start those three players. Who's gonna? Yeah. Who's, who's the man who presses? Yeah. They need to know. They need to know every single time. And their positions constantly rotate. I don't know if you've noticed, but in the midfield, it's almost like they kind of switch and wheel and will step up yeah. and they'll, they'll, they'll move around. So I don't know if putting a new player in there is the solution. I think it simply misses Jack Grealish too much because you've got someone who takes four, three or four players yeah. out of the game. You've got someone who can counter quickly and you've got a smart player. I don't... I think Villa really do miss that. And Jack really sees absence. Maybe it's not a case of him being unfit. Maybe he's ready. Maybe he's been ready for a month. They don't want to risk that. Yeah. Like, I think we had this conversation before. They don't want to risk that. And it, even if it means he doesn't play against Sheffield United, it's because they want a, Jack, a fit Jack Grealish to finish the season and know that what they've done hasn't impacted on that. Yeah. Yeah, because... If Jack Grealish is rushed back and gets injured again in a few weeks, which is a very, very yeah. good possibility, and say if he gets injured for two months or whatever, then this is worst case scenario pretty much. If he ends up going in the summer because Villa don't get promoted, Jack Grealish might not play more than another five or six games for Villa if he gets injured again. So it, I feel like it's better to wait till he's fully fit and ready, raring to go, then you chuck him back in and he plays the rest of the season, hopefully without further injury. I mean, he could still get injured, yeah. obviously. And he gives his, gives his all for however long he's here and hopefully, I've just hit my mark, hopefully that's enough to get us promoted. If it isn't, he's done what he's done and if someone comes in for him, then we can't hold him back another yeah, year, can we? Talk to me a little bit about El Ghazi. I feel like a player who, if he gets 10 or 15 games in a row playing in the same position, we'll see what he can offer. I feel like he's probably suffering a bit from inconsistency of where he's playing, if he's playing, sub-appearances, in and out. Yeah, he's 
it's not just really. it's not ideal, is it? You want I think he's a player that will will see the best out of if he just keeps playing. <laughs> yeah, I think like are you laughing? It's just the comments <laughs> about him. It, like you see on Twitter, he ain't got it. Is this? Is that? The, I think he's a know, good player. He's a good player. Yeah, he, he makes things happen. He's not always the best player, but he still makes things happen. And we don't really with Balassi gone, with Green out injured. There's pretty much him and Kodja. And they're both, they both go on and off the ball quite a lot. Yeah. So I think you've got to stick with one. And I, I hope it's Algarzi. I'd like to see both, though, play one on the uh, weaker side. Yeah. I think Kodja played right wing for Bristol, yeah. I think. Well, you know, if, that, if that's a plan, that's a plan. But I think Dean Smith probably favours the stronger foot yeah. on each side. I don't even know what foot Algarzi is. I know I he's a left-sided right player. Side, I think. Young, wow, okay, I thought he had a left foot. I don't I know. Like the couple of goals he scored against Albion and Forest were right footed, I think. But, uh, Al-Ghazi, I think he needs a good run in the team, a solid run in the team, because yeah. he's a developing player and he can be our player. I think buy him, take the option to buy him, because he's cheap and he's fairly decent. If you can identify someone who's better, and I can't off the top of my head, go for him. Are you looking at me then, like you're about to ask me for a left side? Do you want a left side player? I've got no options. It's Andre Green. Um, yeah, yeah, but that's the play, yeah, but you can play both. You know, you need these players around. Our guys is young. He's decent. He's got a bit about him. Koch is getting older. Yeah, um, and, and we have to appreciate. could not be here next season. He's got six or so goals this season. I think that's good. But it's not the output we we bought him for. We bought him to be the Tammy Abraham type up front with 19 yeah. goals. And we're not he, playing he, up front because Tammy yeah. Abraham's doing so well. He didn't really deliver up front last season, did he? I think he got yeah. a penalty. He was, so, he was so injured and off the boil, and I think that's it. And I hate to say, he was amazing like in that first season. Um, so I hate to see him get shunted out of the wing because he don't really fit or belong there. But mm. that's the way it is, and Hogan's gone for that same reason. Yeah. Tammy Abrams is too good, and uh, that's, the, that's what we'll take from this season, I guess. Yeah, wrap up with a prediction because that light is going to give at some point. Yeah. Um, so what are you thinking, Aston Villa, Sheffield United? Give me a scoreline. I'd, you know what, it's hard because Sheffield United is so good and Villa have been so kind of bad. Bad, yeah, they have been bad. They, are, well, if if not bad, at least not good enough. Yeah, and they haven't performed. That's the same thing, isn't it? No, not really, because you can you can not turn up on the day or just sure. be genuinely, genuinely yeah, bored. And oh, they're not awful. They just have so much go against them. Some soft shots that they're in, you know, I think they've they've just had a, a mountain of bad luck as well. Some of them shots weren't going back to Hall, uh, bad shots. So <laughs> they're letting some crap, crap efforts, man. Uh, so, yeah, if Sheffield United want to try, I think we might give out and it might be about 3 2 to them. But I'm going to be positive. I'm going to say 2 1 to Villa because if you're going to turn around the season, it needs to happen now. Yeah. Against this team. You need to beat teams like this. Yeah, like I said, I asked for some tweets before and I was going to read some out, but I haven't. It was more <laughs> of sort of me taking in some information about the game stealing. so I could steal yeah. it. Um, <laughs> I feel like if you stop, obviously, stop Sheffield United's main main men, you're going to have some kind of chance. I think we'll probably... stop them. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I feel like we're probably in, realistically, we're probably in for another draw. I think it'll be a goal-scoring draw, though, one or two or... Mm. Oh, I almost feel like <laughs> this is a point I've robbed, because I know I'll just see <laughs> <I'm not> used... <laughs> um, We turn up against the big teams. We beat Derby, Middlesbrough. Yeah, yeah. Could have beat Leeds. People like Hall and Reading that we're not picking up points against Wigan. So I feel like it'd be classic Villa to just batter them, Wallop them yeah, yeah. two or three nil. But realistically, I think we're in for another draw. So I'm going to go one all. I think it's fair. But if we turn yeah. up, you've, you know you're always going to have a chance on you at home. Okay, we'll call it a day. Cool, done. See you later. We've got to do an outro. <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs>
So thank you very much for watching this video. If you enjoyed it, subscribe to the YouTube channel and like this video. Let us know your thoughts in the comments box below. Also, I'd like to say a quick thanks to Barks and, and Lee from Barks as well, who a big Villa fan watches the Villa View. I did a job here actually at, at Barks just before Christmas and we were in a bit of a hole for where we wanted to record. Hmm. Didn't want to do it outside in this weather. No, so does, yeah. I sort of dropped Lee a message last minute and said, do you mind if we use somewhere in the studio? And he kindly gave us an hour or so to come in and yeah. film in this nice little set. So Lovely. big thanks to Barks. If anyone's interested in graphic design and things like that, I'll leave their link in the description below. Thanks for watching this video. Subscribe to the channel and up the Villa. Thanks very much. Podcast Network.